how energy works should matter to you because it is the fuel that you create your life and dreams with. Viral energy is about what you surround yourself with. It's about your environment and the people you spend time with. It's about the culture of your workplace and whether it's congruent with your personal culture. It's about your relationships and whether those on level with what you truly want to experience and be. And that's exactly what this show is all about today on Confession Radio. That's an insert from Penelope Jean Hayes, who I talked to about viral energy. Welcome to Confession Radio, Penelope Jean Hayes. How are you? I'm great. How are you, David? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited you're here. I think my listeners are going to benefit so much from just this conversation with you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Let's talk about your journey. Let's go back to the beginning. Where did, <laughs> <laughs> where did this all start? Where, where did the inspiration come from? How did you get into no, this? It's such an interesting question because the, the, what the beginning is, is a little bit fluid. But I would say in terms of generally the work that I do today. The beginning was, well, you know, I was a runaway at 15 years old. And at the time, you know, and years later, I thought this was a very unusual experience. But of course, I've come to find out that it's actually very, very common. And I believe you were out of the house at 16 years old, too. Is that is that right? Wow, you did your homework. Yes, I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, I used to think, you know, it used to be something that was very humiliating. I wanted to keep that to myself. And that's just, you know, one of many things and perhaps was the precipice of many things that I just thought I would have to, you know, keep under a rock my entire life. And now on the other side of all of that, I realize how very common it is and how people are absolutely drawn and attracted to hearing, you know, their own story in other people or seeing themselves in other people. And so it is, um, it, it's the opposite effect of what you might think. But my story goes that I was out of the house at 15. I actually come from a fa- fantastic family and it was just a weird thing. We had moved a few times in a row. My parents put my cat to sleep. This was the cat I had since I was four years old. So now I hate them. And it was just a weird thing that really shouldn't have um, maybe happened, but it did. And I was also that, you know, that wild Mustang that couldn't be broken. Like, you're not going to tell me what to do. So I'd rather just like, I'm out of here. And so, you know, as my well-groomed heels are crossing over the threshold of my own home, I already knew it was a mistake. And now I don't see it as a mistake, but I certainly suffered a lot for many years. And I, I do wish I could take that back. I hear a lot of people say it wouldn't change anything. And yeah, you know, it does make you who you are today for sure. And it adds a lot of grit and texture to the story and the ability to help people down the road. But it's also really hard, right? So, I had been in and out of my parents' house for a number of years. And like you, you know, sleeping on the couches of friends, I wasn't in a box underneath a bridge. I was, you know, (laughs) right? Because people like, oh my goodness, (laughs) you know, you're a runaway. Well, it's usually not that, you know, kind of an image that you might see on television. It's not quite as intense, but it's still really hard, especially as, as really a child. And so then amazingly, I did manage to continue school and graduated with, you know, 96%. I was only in school a little bit. So I'm not really sure how I um, graduated, but 
but I did and continued on and actually landed a great job in public relations and really kind of got back on my feet fairly well, but I was miserable in my job. I felt that I had more inside of me that I hadn't yet explored. I felt very unfulfilled. And I also sat on this story of, you know, um, this past that I disavowed, you know, this past that I didn't want to share with anybody. And that did affect my relationships because now I had put this mask up and, wasn't really fully sharing with people who I was. And I think it was mostly pride, embarrassment, that kind of thing. So I had, you know, I, and I believe that depression is something that happens over this long chronic period of time that anybody can experience depression. And I did, and it was, you know, this lack of fulfillment for so many years, these struggles for so many years, eventually that's depression. I was in many ways uncompanionable. And so I got to this, this moment and it was a new year's Eve. Gosh, David, I think it was 2006. And it was just like my breaking point. So I was in a pretty decent job respected in the community, good job in public relations, but just unfulfilled. And I wanted to do more. And I just had this really lonely New Year's Eve where I was suicidal and did want to commit suicide, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. You know, I couldn't figure out, you know, how to actually physically do it. And thank God I didn't. But I somehow struggled through that night and made it through, but I did vow by the end of the night that, you know, I'm going to make it through this. And then, and I wrote this in my journal, and then I'm going to tell you all how I did it. And I didn't know, you know, how profound that was at the time. And just three months later, I out of nowhere quit my job and moved countries to the United States and started over with nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean, I really had nothing. I had a car that was leased. I had my clothes and I had my cat and I had cashed in what I had in retirement savings, which amounted to $4,000. And that was it. And I started my life all over again in a new country, new career and start, actually ran my own um, small PR firm doing publicity for country music singers in Nashville. And kind of one thing led to the next. And I, um, when I was in Nashville, I was meditating every day. And I started this process of meditating every day in the forest and had an amazing experience one day that really was the precipice for where I am today. But I'm going to leave it there um, for right now, because I know there's a lot there to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. So first, first thing, are you, are you close with your family now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, I you know, your... you can tell I say that with a little bit of apprehension. And that's because I have learned that we're very different. And, you know, I'm never going to change them. And they're never going to change me. And that's okay. So it actually took me a lot of years, adult years, to realize that that's the case, that they're, they're maybe never going to get me and I'm maybe never going to get them or, you know, the, um, the values that they subscribe to are different than mine and we have different belief systems. And, and that was really hard because I think as a 
child, you think that there's just this unconditional love because you're their child. But I've realized as an adult that, you know, they're just, um, just human as well. And they, you know, can only stretch themselves so far. So we're very different people. And I've learned to accept that. And so, yeah, we have a wonderful relationship. And I talk to them every day, but I think it's as a result of fully accepting that we're not going to see eye to eye. Yeah, a family's a it's a funny thing. I mean, you you've heard my story obviously because you know a little bit about me and yeah. it's a same same difference here with with my family. You know, I can love them from an arm's length, but I can never never right. like live with them, you know. So sure. um, <laughs> when you say you came to the US, where did you come from? Canada. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it, similar story. I mean, you already know mine, so it's just it's crazy. And I, I was never under a bridge. I mean, I did live in a homeless shelter, but I always had a roof over mm-hmm. my head at some point. So um, mm-hmm. I agree. It's like the societal thing of like, oh, you know, when people are runaways or, you know, like I like to call them gypsy spirits, you know, you just can't hold me down, you know. <laughs> so Right. And and that's what it seems like happened here with you. I'd love to to I love the uh, the well-groomed heels, by the way. That was fantastic. Um, oh, thank you. So meditation, what a what a powerful process. And the fact that you were able to connect with nature in nature, walk mm-hmm. me through that. Like when you were doing through your meditations, like what were you doing exactly that would kind of help you kind of get through these issues? Mm-hmm. So when I first left Canada and started everything, it was because it was, you know, do or die for me. And I really knew that I had been miserable for long enough and thought about ending my life, not because I wanted to be dead, but because I wanted to wormhole out of my current existence and have a new set of circumstances. And I think that's the case for many people who feel that way. But I knew that it was critical. And I knew that my choices were, you know, to continue like this and perhaps never recover from the you know, that pit that one can fall in when they're unfulfilled or unhappy or to change up everything. And today I like to say to put, to bring new water into my pond. So, you know, you have to stag, you have to circulate or you will stagnate and all resources have to circulate or they will stagnate, whether that's water, blood, money, you name it, resources have to circulate. And I knew that, you know, I knew that on a deeper level, um, I knew that I needed to change everything. And so when I did change everything, it's not like it was magically overnight, the solution to all of my issues, but it was a heck of a good start because everything was new. And now I was scared shitless, but at least I wasn't depressed, you know? And so um, in addition to sort of changing everything, I would, I started meditating every day and I thought, you know what, this just feels nice. Let's just try this. It was magical, David. So I went into a forest that was near um, just outside of Nashville where I was living. And I would just go every day for as long as I could, you know, and some days that was three hours, whether it be early in the morning or after I was done work at night or on a lunch hour. And I just knew that it just felt really nice. And I knew that it was balancing my energy. So that internal vibration that is us that has a certain, you know, speed of vibration. And when I would sit in nature, um, it felt nice and it felt peaceful and it brought what was maybe a hopped up energy from, you know, my fear or the traffic jam I was stuck in or what's going on in my relationships. And I just knew that it sort of brought me to a place that just felt very good and natural and like, Hey, this is, you know, the real me. So 
I was doing that for a period of time. And one day I had this truly incredible experience. And this experience was now, I mean, now I'm the author of 12 books, two are number one bestsellers. And this philosophy that I wrote that day, which is the viral energy philosophy, the philosophy that energy is contagious. And I wrote it that day in the forest. So I would bring with me this pen and paper because I knew I wanted to be a writer. That was something I liked to do, wanted to do professionally. I would just write down ideas. And that happened a lot. Sitting in nature, I would get these ideas. And I'm like, where did that idea come from? So it's sort of like this portal was opened. But this one day I had been meditating for a few hours. And when I mean meditation, I mean that just sitting quietly. And I don't believe you have to try to turn off all thoughts. And it's okay if you have an itch, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Just to, you know, just to be, and if you're thinking, that's fine. I'm not sure how people could truly stop thinking. So to not overthink meditation and to just sort of be in the presence of an energy more powerful than oneself, an energy that is already vibrating perfectly, which nature, of course, does that so wonderfully. So I had been there for a while marinating, as I like to say, in nature, and all of a sudden things started changing in the forest around me. And this little chipmunk walked over my foot as I'm sitting there on the ground meditating. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Why is it so close to me? And then a deer walked by in very close proximity. And then not too long after that, this giant figure, like a shadow kited in, in my left vision. And it's landed on a branch in front of me. And I could see that it was a giant owl, an owl, you know, one third the size of my body with a wingspan as long as my car. And it sat there about five feet away from me because I was sitting on a ledge and it was there on the branch right in front of me. And it looked at me and I looked at it and we shared space for, I'm not sure how long, could have been 30 minutes. And I started to look around and see that the forest looked different. I was seeing the colors more vibrant. They were sparkling almost. And here's this owl and I'm hearing things more crisp and more clear. And then I thought to myself, holy shit, I'm seeing the backstage of energy. I was synchronized with the energy of nature. I had been there for long enough in this practice day after day for a chronic enough period of time that it turned my depression and sadness and loneliness and fear and all of these things into harmonious balance with nature. And so I'm sitting there and very cognizant of the fact that this is happening and in my head going, oh my God, this is the backstage of nature. This is what they see. And so the owl knew that I couldn't hurt it. I had synchronized. Finally, my energy had become homeostasis with the energy of nature. And so just like you could imagine, and here's um, here's going to be this analogy for you, but if you had this um, hot water balloon, so it's a, a, a water balloon, but it's filled with hot water, and you toss it into a cool swimming pool, what's going to happen? Well, it will synchronize. The temperature will synchronize with the larger body. And in this case, the, the temperature of the pool wins because it's the larger body. And so the water inside the balloon becomes in in harmony with the temperature of the pool. That was me. So I'm the hot water balloon all hopped up from my life, dropped into this wonderful pool of perfectly vibrating energy. And I had synchronized to where nature accepted me and knew that I couldn't harm it. 
And so this changed everything. I started scratching out this theory of viral energy. And here we are today. I love that story because, you know, like, again, societally uh, speaking about meditation, you don't have to sit there and ohm and, you know, all this other, because I do the same thing when I <laughs> meditate, I can't shut my brain off. I have ADHD and I'm, I'm proud of it. And because of my ADHD, though, it allows me to do the things like I'm doing today with, with the podcasting and the yes. other things that I'm working on. And it just, you know, if I had a, a one track mind, it would be hard for me to focus on multiple things. So meditation comes in, in many different forms, in my opinion, and it doesn't have to necessarily even be a sitting like people can meditate while they're exercising and, mm -hmm. you know, all this other thing. So I love that story. And the fact that you're backstage in, you know, in nature and seeing things more vibrantly, just that connection with the earth, I think, really helps. I think that nature in itself is so healing. Like I'm more attracted to water. You know, I'm a cancer at yes. heart. So I <laughs> love water. I love like that's That's why I live at the beach, you know? So, you know, I'll go to the beach like once a week and, and just, just to stare at it, even just to stare at it for me is, is good enough meditation because after a session at the beach, I'll just kind of look at it and go, ah, I got an idea, you know, and, you know, get my notes out and start doing that. And that's what it sounds like happened with you, which created yeah. what we call today the Viral Energy Institute. That's right. That's right. So I founded the Viral Energy Institute a number of years ago. And at first it was just this dream and I wanted to do this concept. I wanted to teach people what I've learned, help them heal their lives and also learn more about this and study more about this. And so it started as I would train people, do kind of personal coaching, be a mentor to people. I would have people in for three-day courses. And now today, fast forward 10 plus years, um, we have a beautiful two-acre property that is the Institute. And we welcome people for meditation classes, for personal coaching, mentorship, and we do have a three-day retreat. And we're also starting to build out online courses because, you know, everybody's gone online. So we do have a few things online in the way of courses and more coming. But, you know, I want to talk about water because you mentioned it. You would probably meditate well in the shower. So just taking a shower is meditation. And I, like you, get ideas around water. I get ideas in the shower all the time. I do have to keep a pen and paper on the counter in the bathroom while I'm showering because I get all of these ideas. And the more you honor that and kind of say, hey, wow, I just got an idea popped into my head while I'm in the shower or next, you know, sitting at the beach or next to a babbling brook, the more you recognize it, the more it happens. And I think that's what's going on with you. Actually, I have a whole chapter in one of my books, which is my favorite book titled The Magic of Viral Energy. And one of the chapters is about water and it's water in motion specifically. So water in motion conducts inspired thought. So just as, you know, electrical wires are sending signals and messages from place to place, and now it's even wireless, you know, we don't even need the wires, it's wireless. This is the same thing. And so people sometimes find it's like, wow, it's so, you know, weird concept that, you know, there could be telepathic communication, or there could be, you know, downloads of information coming from outside sources, whether you want to call that the collective, the universe, maybe it's God for you. But that's what you know, these ideas are when they're coming to you, 
because they're coming through this wireless system of energy and it's everywhere. And I promise you it's there, whether you know it or not. That is so interesting because like, I, 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 it's, I don't even know. I'm trying, I have so many thoughts in my head right now. It's so interesting because I think a lot of people these days aren't aware of the ability of, you know, what you're attracted to. Some people are attracted to more to earth, more to water, more to wind, you know, air, things like that. And I think that we live in a society now where everything's so quick and fast and we're worried about bills and we're worried about how we're going to make a living. And and like you said, you're miserable in your job. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all afraid to make that step. And and that's... Mm -hmm. That's what I really want to inspire people. That's why I'm talking to people like yourself and entrepreneurs and things, because it it, it could happen. It's just mm-hmm. there's got to be a leap of faith, you know, in, mm-hmm. in just diving in and doing it. You know, you started your business, you, you left at 15, $4,000 coming to the U.S. and, you know, look at you now. But and of course, times are different. You know, both of us come from a, a generation where that was not acceptable per se, but it was easier to do now but i feel like it's easier now because of today's technology but also technology Mm -hmm. is a blessing and a curse because that also affects your energy does it not well yes i mean just in as far as electromagnetic radiation you know that can certainly affect your energy so we can't get away from the technology we need it and it's a good thing when used for good purposes but to know that, you know, you might feel tired. Some people just feel exhausted. They need a nap midday. So just know that, you know, to, to know that, to be mindful of that, and then to get away from it. And if that's to take a walk, leave your phone behind, but do something every day. So I like to say that dilution is the solution to pollution. And I actually borrowed that from the medical field. And they know that if you get poisoning, it's dilute, dilute, dilute. So dilution is the solution to pollution for energetic things as well. But talking about people, I agree with you. There are so many people who are miserable in their job in particular and feel stuck or pigeonholed into this is what I was educated to do when I went into school. Maybe I didn't even know what I wanted out of life. And now I have this degree. And so this is what I am. I am a fill in the blank, or for whatever reason that they are unfulfilled in their life and in their, in their career. It's usually a vocational thing because purpose is so very salient to us as humans that, you know, relationships are tough too. And that's always a big topic, but this idea of, you know, what's my purpose, what am I supposed to impart in this lifetime? And, if you're not feeling fulfilled, you haven't struck it yet. You haven't found it yet because it should, you know, it goes along with passion. But I would say that when I did it, and that was, like I said, it was, you know, this New Year's Eve 2007, a short time later, I made this big jump. I don't know that that much has changed because I'm still doing it today. I have stuff that scares the pants off me every day. So now I'm possibly going to be co-hosting a television show. And I have that same feeling all over again, David. I'm like, you know, am I really the right person? Like, why would they want me? You know, I, you know, I'm not educated in that field. I, yeah, I was on, I was actually on television for five years. So there's more to my background than I've set up front, but I do have the fears 
And I'm going into this, like trying to talk myself into it the way that I would coach clients, you know? And so I don't know how much has changed. Like when you started your podcast, there must've been some aspect of that. So we're doing that today. We're doing that every day. And I feel like we need to continue to expand, you know, always expanding, not getting stagnant. These are good things. So I don't know how much it's changed. Um, I'm doing stuff all the time that I think I don't have any business doing this, but you do it anyway. And so my advice would be to people, if you feel like you want to do something different, um, the big thing is to know what that is and to figure out what you want to do is probably going to be the hardest part. But if you do know what you want to do, go do it. Don't wait for the perfect circumstances. I didn't have the perfect circumstances for any of the stuff I've done. It was very imperfect, actually. You know, anybody else with any head on their shoulders might have said to me, well, you can't just leave countries without a job to go to. You can't quit a very good, well-paying job. Um, you can't, you know, leave with nothing. You know, what are you going to do? And, you know, I didn't die. It worked out. And in fact, it got better pretty quickly because that new energy just was this inertia that took over and I was meeting people and the right people, you just became in my path and the resources, opportunities and connections came as a result of me circulating instead of stagnating and wallowing in my grief of the life that I didn't want. So I would tell people like, you got to go do something. You have to just do it and don't wait for it to be perfect. There's never going to be the perfect time. It's a funny story. We moved, um, one of our last moves and to um, where we're living now. And we went to the DMV to get our new licenses for now we live in Florida. And so at the DMV, this wonderful young man, Adam, and I remember his name was helping us. And I just chit chat with people all the time and somehow find out that Adam, you know, doesn't want to be working at the DMV. He always wanted to, um, what was it? He was, he wanted to actually be a broadcaster. And I had been five years at ABC News and had that experience under my belt um, at that point. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe I can, you know, give him a bit of advice. And so I asked him a few questions about what he's doing, you know, in that field, what he's looking into. And he kept saying things like, well, you know, God willing, I will, you know, get accepted into the whatever, you know, media school, broadcasting school. And, you know, God willing, um, I'll have enough money to, you know, go to that school and, you know, God willing this. And, and so finally, I said to him, Adam, God is willing. God is willing because you have the passion inside you, but you have to take the action. You have to take action. And so you can't just endlessly, you know, sit at the desk in the job that you don't like and not take action. Like, go do it. Yeah, go do it. I agree. I think a lot of it, though, honestly, is ego. You know, so uh, ego will strike down. It, it's it's there to kind of protect you and, and it's kind of tell you like, well, like, wait a minute, this is not a good idea. And I think it's because we're programmed from the beginning. You know, like when, when I look at my grandparents who's, you know, worked in an industry for 50 plus years and retired or, you know, my father who was a firefighter for 35 plus years and retired, you know, I can't, I can't hold a job for more than eight months. And, and it's, I'm not ashamed to say that because it doesn't check all the boxes. And mm -hmm. I think with passion, you know, it's not always going to check all the boxes. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Podcasting, we're going to 
I'm going to round that off real quick. Uh, you know, this is the third time I'm restarting Confession Radio because what happens is my ADHD, my ADHD brain <laughs> goes mm-hmm. crazy and it's like, okay, we're bored. This is this is boring. Let's go. Let's go. I'm bored. You know, so I'll just quit. I'm like, you know what? This sucks. I don't want to do it anymore. And then all of a sudden I get a wild hair up my ass. I'm like, hey, I want to interview people again. I really want to do this and we're going to make it better this time. But because of all the stops and starts, though, it continuously evolves and mm-hmm. it can, you know, every time I do it, it gets me closer and closer to my goal, which I have no idea what my goal is. And that's OK, too. But I know I have a little bit of like a roadmap of where I want to go. Your goal is not always going to end up where you want it to be. That's why it's a goal, because you can either exceed or you can or you could be a shortcoming of that. But there's always going to be other avenues, you know, so your goal is here, but you might come to a fork in a road like, OK, if I go this way with it, you know, there's potential success with that. If I go that way with it, there's potential success with that. You know, which way are we going to go? And it's an ever winding road. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I'm saying about just jumping in and just doing it. Like you said earlier, just do it, because if you don't do it. What is the saying? A hundred percent of misses you don't take or whatever, (laughs) you know, so and that's absolutely a hundred percent true. But I think, again, a lot of it. And so my ego stepping in now saying, oh, well, yeah, this is all great. But, you know, I don't have the money to do that. And, you know, I have my rent. I have my bills. Some people have families and things like that. But it just always seems to figure itself out. And if you're jumping in and doing it and saying, hey, I want to do this as a business or, hey, I want to, especially now in 2021, we have amazing resources for people Mm -hmm. to start their own business. And as much as I hate to say it, I think COVID kind of helped kind of kick people in the ass with that, too. Um, sure. it, it made them realize like I'm worth more than seven twenty five an hour. I'm worth more than 10, 15 bucks an hour. I have a talent. You know, my hobby is my talent and my talent's going to make me money. So I think that, mm-hmm. you know, with this with this dreadful unemployment that everybody keeps talking about, I, I hope my hope is, is that most people have seen that there is more to them than going to work for their employer who they absolutely hate or, you know, hopefully Adam, you know, now is out there doing his thing because, you know, COVID hit and everything, you know, kind of went to shit. But I I hope that people can understand that this is and was an opportunity for most people to take this extra funding that you'll probably never, ever get in another lifetime unless there's another severe pandemic to really invest that into what you want to do, which is what I did. And this is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, life is a series of choices and you can start making different choices today. So our choices got us to where we are today. And if you want different, you know, make different choices. But, you know, the real secret to life, I find, is that creation is exponential. And so to start creating whatever that is. So if it's a podcast for you and for someone else, it's something else. So whatever it is that, you know, would make you happy or you like to do that in the creation itself, it multiplies like gremlins with no water needed. You know, creation creates more creation and you don't need to know what it's going to look like. And you'll never see that full road ahead of you because it's stuff you can't even imagine. And it's so good and it's going to be fabulous. And you start creating and you realize that you could have never anticipated meeting whoever the person was. And now you're, you know, doing something with them. And maybe they came in with the resources that you didn't have. And together that collaboration creates more creation. 
that's the kind of stuff that happens. And so you have to just start, you have to get out there. And it's okay that if you change your mind six months later to say, oh, I don't know, this doesn't feel good anymore. Um, maybe I need to go create something else. It's okay. It's like your GPS doesn't like yell at you and say, you idiot, you took the wrong turn. <laughs> you know, it Not says yet, recalculating. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a better way to put it. And that's, that's the thing. It's scary. It really is scary. I mean, because again, you know, we're programmed that we have to have a job. So the jobs will always be there to pay our bills. You know, we go in, we give them our time, they give us money for our time. But think of it as you're giving your time to yourself now and the payout is what you put into it. And mm-hmm. that's what most people are afraid of, I think. And my friends included, I talk to them all the time. I have some very talented people around me and they're just so afraid to just jump in and do it. Oh, I got families, I got a house, I, you know, and they're so talented, Penelope. And it it just drives me crazy because I'm like, oh, my, I can help you. Like, I can help you right. with this. And, but they're just, but I can't do everything for you. And that's I refuse, it. I absolutely refuse to support somebody. I will gladly help you. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll do think tank sessions and I'll help you come up with a name or, you know, the, but I'm not doing everything for you. I need you to put in the effort. I'm only your support or your mm-hmm. help rather. You've got to be the full support. And yeah, no, you're, you're reminding me of someone. I have someone in my life who for many years was that person that's a relative, of course. So was that person that I would give advice to. And then she just really didn't take the advice, but she, she liked the counseling. She liked to have conversations about her. And I realized that this is where she was, you know, bathing in. It was some type of maybe attention. Let's talk about my problems. And it was very nice for her, but she never took the, the action. And finally, I sort of cut off my support and said, you know, I'm your cousin. I'm not your counselor. And she actually has a counselor now, a professional counselor, and she doesn't have a lot of money. She's a musician. She actually, there's different programs out there that you can get free help and counseling. And that's working out much better for her and especially our relationship. But yes, you can lead a horse to water, right? Um, and so with friends, it's going to be like that. But when they are miserable enough or they want it bad enough, they will make a change. And sometimes people don't. That's where my parents are. So, you know, I I would be in the boat of, you know, you have to live with passion and your life has to mean something. And they would be more in the camp of wanting to play it safe and have the financial security. Both are good. And wherever people are, that is good for them. And we do need financial security. And I can tell you the older I get, the more I realize that financial security does equal happiness in a lot of ways. And it gives you more choices and options. And, you know, you do start to worry about that stuff, the older you get. So it is a real and it's a tangible thing. But at the end of your life, if you hadn't done what you feel your soul came here to do, what do you think would happen? How great do you think you would feel? I can promise you that 80-year-olds or 90-year-olds looking back at their life, if they didn't step out when things were difficult and they didn't take that chance, I can promise you they're sitting there going, man, what I wouldn't give to go back and change everything and to take that leap and to try. And what you do find 
And I haven't found anyone who's told me otherwise, by the way, because I've talked to a lot of people. What you do find is that things fall into place. And so you, you're going to go do the thing and whatever the thing is, it's probably going to, you know, make you some money. So it's probably going to, you know, your passion poured into it will have a reward. You know, you put something in, you get something out. I had some very wise person told me, he's actually Dr. Fred Allen Wolf. He's a very famous quantum physicist. He told me, I asked him what the secret of happiness was. I asked that of a lot of people, you know, that are wise and it worked out for them. So I asked them like, what do you think, you know, the secret of happiness is? And he said that um, to do what he said, the happiest people I have met are those who um, enjoy what they do. Uh, no, he said to, to be fulfilled, do what you enjoy doing to be rich do what benefits others. So have a service or a product that people need to buy. So do what benefits others. He said, therefore, to be rich and happy, do what you love doing for the benefit of others. And you cannot fail, but to be rich and happy. That's very profound. And, uh, you know, it just, it, I don't know, like I said, it just sucks because I, I see these talented people and, and it, you know, it brings me to my next question about like, just, those energy vampires, I'm sure you've heard that term before. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and with your, like your cousin, you know, eventually you had to cut it off because there's some emotional boundaries, you know, there's like, okay, listen, I've, I can't, I am, am in the stance that you have to want to help yourself. I can give you all the mm -hmm. advice that you want and need to hear, but until you want to hear that, you know, there's, there's a point where it's like, even for me, it gets draining because it's like, oh my God, we just had this conversation a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're going through. I get it. But, you know, this is how, in my perspective, you can change it. And, you know, we all live in these circumstances where we're living in it. So we don't see it as others do. We can't see it through other people's eyes. I get that. And I'm sympathetic to that. But at the same time, there's got to be, aren't you tired of bitching about this? You know, mm -hmm. aren't you tired of feeling this way? Yeah, but, you know, what about my bills? What about my family? What about them? So let's, so now, and just to clarify, I'm not telling anybody by any means to quit your job and just dive into your passion. I'm saying that there's got to be a starting point. You know, it's a side hustle for now. And once that side hustle starts taking off, maybe go part-time at your job because now your eight-hour days are 16-hour days. And then as you as you start growing in your own business you can then go part time or you know eventually just leave the job altogether it yeah. doesn't always work out by just jumping in but you know it could work that way too if you have the the financial stability to do so i would absolutely just jump in I think, you know, people do what they want to do. So if they're continuing to bitch and moan about it, they're doing exactly what they want to do. And that's a hard bit of medicine to face, but that is the reality. The reality is it's serving them. And there's something about it that is serving them. And maybe it's just because they want to, you know, vomit their fears out, you know, verbally to someone who's always been willing to listen and them purging that. So that's just exactly what it is. Just imagine it. They have it inside them. It's these fears and doubts that, you know, they hate this or don't like this unfulfilled, but then the other option is something they just can't do yet. Or they, you know, there's too much fear for them. So they're just not able to do it. So they're stuck on this precipice with one leg on both sides and they're filled with 
the fear of it all and the unfulfillment. And so those are energies and those are pretty dark energies, heavy energies. And so for them, periodically, they just vomit that out on someone who's willing to listen and to get it out temporarily feels good, but it's going to come back. It's a cycle, but temporarily they were able to just purge all that negativity, all that heaviness onto someone else. And so that is working for them right now. And it temporarily, you know, eases the boiling pot just enough to take the pressure off and they can go back to their unfulfilled lives. And unfortunately, that's just where they're at. And I was at that place for years in my old job until one day I wasn't until one day I said, screw this. I'm, you know, I'm out of here. And I knew it was just so incongruent with me that I couldn't do it another day. But, you know, maybe I should have done it two years before. So they'll do it when they're ready, but taking you down. So in, in my work, I call those energy suckers. And that's like a stage five Klingon right there, energy suckers. And there's also underminers. So, you know, back in the day when we had um, castles, they had the castle wall around the castle and underminers where that word comes from is underminers would go in with their tools and they would dig holes underneath the castle wall. And then the whole wall would actually fall into that void, therefore undermining the protective surroundings of the castle. So that's what we have to do for ourselves. We have to go deflector shields up. And so your personal power, that personal energy that is you is so precious because that personal energy is what you're creating your whole life from. So you have to be able to protect that from some of those, you know, friends and family members and the people around you. And so you're marinating in that every day. And when you allow yourself to be taken down by the energy suckers on a regular basis or the underminers, what you're doing is it's kind of chipping away at the resources, energetic resources that you have left to create that life that you want. So I do think that sometimes you just have to say, yeah, you know, we've tried this. It's not working. I need to protect my own good light energy. And so I can't be that person for you anymore. And and you hit it with the we allow this, you know, and, and we allow all behaviors. You know, we we allow our boss to talk to the way that we do and, and get treated the way we do. And it's just that realization, though, of, of understanding that, <clears throat> excuse me, of understanding that it's it's not okay anymore and you know you reach a limit too and you you can only take on so much because you got your own problems you got your own stuff going on in your life Mm -hmm. and you know it's understanding that when enough is enough and it's okay to walk away from people even if it's family it's okay to say hey whoa, whoa whoa i've had enough i firmly believe everybody in this world needs a therapist i mean there's nothing wrong with therapy um, I'm not a fan of drugs so I, I you know I'm not like a pill pop or anything I, I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of of that to, to kind of reset your brain but just an unbiased opinion of somebody that you could just kind of unload that's what they want to do that's their passion that's their that's their degree that's what they want to do they know how to how to deflect that but most people when you're as your energy suckers are just dumping on you you don't know how to put up those walls and say oh my god this is just too much this is too much so you carry that and you take it with you and you know so i've always it took me a very long time to get where i'm at but I just know in my in my head now I'm like okay this is just too much I got to set the boundary and you know recommend like you said there's free services you know for therapy there's um when I was younger 
it was funny, like when AOL existed, that's how old I am. Um, I would go in like a chat room and I would just pick a random person and I would just unload because there's <laughs> something so magical about pen to paper or if you could see it or hear it outside of yourself. Uh-huh. So for me, I would just unload, you know, I'm having a bad day blah, 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 and just send that, close the window and I'd walk away and I'd feel so much better because I was able to emotionally dump on somebody else uh-huh. and it's out of me now. It's gone. You know, so now mm-hmm. I can kind of move on with my life. I used to journal too, um, but the problem is I can't read what I wrote because my handwriting so atrocious. So, and you may never need to. It's just the getting yeah. it out. You may never need to even revisit it again. But right, you know, those are healthy ways. Journaling, um, different things can be healthy ways. But you know, when people, that's you know, that's where abuse starts. You look at. So I was also many years ago in a domestic abusive situation, and I learned a lot from that experience. And that is that this um, man that I was dating at the time had his own issues. And so he was in this cycle of needing to do that, you know, that vomiting of his own. This is like, you know, exacerbated from just a friend telling their drama. This is, you know, someone who takes it to the point of verbal abuse and because they just need, you know, they've got so much going on within their own selfhood that they have to just get that out and they're going to do it. It happens, you know, family members, the people closest, So that's the wife, the girlfriend, the children, the pet. And those are the ones that are um, readily available is all it is. And usually weaker, physically weaker than the aggressor. So he would, he would do that. And eventually he was violent. And I thought, how is it that I am in this relationship? You know, how is this happening? Because I have no family history of anything like this. How did I get into this situation? And that, you know, opening a big story there, but as far as learning from that experience, what people do, they do it in small increments and then they do it on those larger skills that equal actual emotional and physical violence. And this is the same thing on a different scale. And so we really need to redirect that into healthy ways to deal with our own emotions without putting it on other people. I just don't think they realize they do it. That's that's the other thing. And it, it's up to you as the, the person being dumped on to to realize like, oh, crap, OK, this is an emotional dump right now and I can only take mm-hmm. so much of it. And, you know, and just give them a friendly reminder. Well, you might want to take this to a therapist or because it's just really going to help your relationship that much more because now they have an unbiased opinion. You know, I could sit here and talk to a friend and they can bitch to me about, you know, their job or even if I've been in the same industry, but it's the same stuff. And, and my answer typically is, well, you know what you're going to be dealing with, you know, so why are we surprised? Why are we even surprised that this is happening? And mm-hmm. then they get upset about it. Like, oh, well, why would you say something like that? Because it's the same thing all the time. It's not mm-hmm. changed. So, that's it. you know, like I, I know that because I, they, again, they can't see it through my eyes, but it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, you know, when you go in today, you don't know which boss you're going to be dealing with, you know, the, the mm-hmm. good witch or the bad bitch today. So which one are you going to be dealing with? So you got to prepare yourself for that. When you say hi to this person and they're like, you know, bah, 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 then, you know, OK, I'm dealing with the bad bitch today. I'm going to stay away. Why are we complaining about this? You know, I get it. It's frustrating, but make a change. It's really tough when it's a boss, right? Because that person should you would imagine that they should be elevated and be looking after the emotional support of their employees and that you as the employee should not have to deal with 
a boss that has a volatile personality. So that is an extremely unfortunate situation because it's not just a friend that you can say, look, I don't accept that. Now, if it is a friend or someone you're dating, um, someone in your life like that, where you would consider them, you know, an equal on equal, you know, um, equal level playing ground. One great line is to just say, I don't accept that. It's really simple. I don't accept that. And it would be like if you're sitting there in a park and you're just enjoying your day and you're sitting there on the park bench, you're just enjoying your day and the birds are chirping. And then some stranger walks over and you see that they've got their dog, they're walking their dog and their dog takes a crap and they pick up the dog's doo-doo and then they walk it over to you and they go to hand you this bag of crap. What are you going to say? Oh, <laughs> I don't accept that. Like, excuse you know, and me. <laughs> yeah. And it's just done. Like, that's it. So we know that we wouldn't accept a bag of dog crap. Right. But for some reason, we accept it from the friends, the family, the people that we're dating or in a relationship with parents, children. We do it all the time. But I have found that it's a great line. It's four words. I don't accept that. And it works perfect. Now, if you have a relationship with somebody that those four words don't work on, and they still are abusive, then that's abuse. And, you know, it's more than them going to a counselor that's needed. It's you reevaluating, should you be in this relationship? Because if you say to that person you're dating, I don't accept that. I don't accept talking to me like that. I simply do not accept it. If that is not good enough, then you're in an immature relationship with a person who has so much of their own negativity and heavy energy going on that they simply cannot see the forest for the trees. And they'll never be able to understand what's going on with them emotionally because people need that internal empowerment. So they're trying to steal your energy, which means they're start trying to steal your power is what that is. So they feel disempowered in whatever those ways are, stuff going on in their life. They want to steal yours. That's why they're doing it. So when they put you down, they do these things, they demean you in some way, they are stealing your energy. Now it's a temporary thing, like a sugar rush. So now what's going to happen is they're going to have a low afterwards because now they feel guilty, they feel bad, they feel regretful, and now they're having the low when that sugar wears off. And so now they're lower than low. And what's going to happen? They're going to need to do it again. So that's a cycle that it's this um, cycle of downward devolution. And what it is, is that, you know, we know that people need food and water and all of these things are the basic um, basic supplies of life that we need. We can live without food for a period of time, weeks, actually. We can even live without water for a couple of days. We can live without oxygen for minutes. We cannot live without energy, that personal power that actually powers our cells. You can call that the quantum. We cannot live without for a fraction of a second. We cannot live without it. And so we know this innately. And so when people are experiencing these lows in their personal power, it is such a primal pull for them to get that back and to therefore do what's the easiest thing to do to try to steal it from someone else. And it will never work because it's not true empowerment. So that's what's going on with them. And so, you know, if you have a person like that in your life, it's a pretty serious, pretty serious situation that you're not going to be able to change. But the boss situation is a challenge. Um, and that's a toughie. I mean, apart from going to their superior, what are, you know, what are your options? And unfortunately, it's not a perfect world and everything isn't fair. And sometimes it means, you know, you finding another job because that person's not going anywhere. 
And that's a very, you know, case specific thing. So, you know, if I knew an exact situation, I'd be able to give more specific and better advice on it. But it is a sticky situation when it's a boss that's misbehaving. Well, I think also I believe in in projection too. A lot of people like the and and I'm sure you've dealt with this in in your past when you worked for other people. Some people get in these positions, Penelope, that just don't belong there. And I don't know why in any mm-hmm. right that the higher ups would think this is a good idea for them to be in power of other people. Makes no sense to me. And that was my frustration too working for other people is that I'm so strong-willed and I have differences of opinions, but you're not allowed to with your boss. You know, your boss is your boss and they run it this way for a reason. And it's just like, there's no, there's, there's no openness to say, oh, well, how do you feel about this? Or how do you feel about that? You know, so it's very tough when it comes to, to bosses, which is why I'm hoping this will lead people to kind of do their own thing. And in your, for you said the four words, which is great, but I love the other four words that you say though, that's watch your viral energy. That's such mm-hmm. a powerful statement. That's really the most important thing, I think. And, you know, now it's this idiom in my household where we'll say, watch your viral energy. You know, that phone call comes in or you're waiting. If it's a big day for you, you think you're going to get some good news or you need to keep your energy balanced in all the best and light ways because something important is going on for you. But then what happens? Your cell phone rings and you see who it is. Okay, it's that friend that you know what's going to happen if you answer the phone, right? And it's going to knock you down because it's draining. And while it might help them temporarily, it's just not the day for that. So yeah, you can still help them, David, but today is not the day for that. (laughs) So, you know, we have to start being more mindful and to know that this isn't a joke. What it is, is it sets It's a bigger conversation, but I'll just say it quickly. It sets an internal vibration, which I call the presence. And there's actually seven levels of our presence. And you could think of these, like if you had a cake and it had layers to it, that's how it goes. It goes vertically, these layers, which are different, um, different flows. When you say, you know, I got to get in the flow or you're in the flow. Well, my question is what flow are you in? Because when you're in that flow, you're only getting what's in that flow. Is it a lower layer, a lower vibrational level? or higher. So you're in one of those flows. And that is set by all of those things, the things you surround yourself with, the stuff in your environment, what you're marinating in every day, how much you're taking on of the stuff that is, you know, the heavy energies we talked about electromagnetic, or are you mitigating that diluting the pollution with, you know, nature, all of that together, including your own intentions, make this presence and set what flow, what level vertically that you are in flow with. Now, when you're in flow with it, you can just reach out and grab all of the stuff that you're in flow with. It's no effort at all. That's where life gets easy. And, you know, if you're having experiences that are difficult, it's because you're in flow with one of those lower layers that difficulty is in flow with also. And it's very easy to grab onto difficulty because there it is in flow with you. So that's the short version of a lot of the work that we do at the Viral Energy Institute. And that is to say that what you surround yourself with is so much more important than you're giving it credit for. It matters who you surround yourself with and how much you take on. And if it knocks back your own personal power, because from that flow or presence from that vibration that is you, this is what you are creating your life with. And so for those that find so much difficulty, we'll think about like from what 
energy pool are you creating your life with? Mm-hmm. What do you have to work with here? I absolutely agree with all that. It's it's great advice. And, and I challenge the listeners of this show or anybody who's listening to recognize that in yourself, you know, like, oh, crap, like you said, you, you see the phone call come through, like, oh, shit, here we go. What's going on today? <laughs> you know, if you have to say that to yourself, then that's, you know, there's a, a problem. And again, I don't necessarily see it as a problem. It's just you've got to kind of coach them into, okay, you, you need some other help. You know, you need somebody that's, you know, that that is not me that can help you with this situation. That's that's, you know. But it has been such an honor, Penelope, talking with you. Thank you so much for all of the great advice. Where can our listeners find you? Sure. So PenelopeJeanHayes.com is the best place and all sorts of things are linked through there. And it links to the Institute, but the Institute has its own website too, which is ViralEnergyInstitute.com. So either one of those. Um, just So just my name.com, PenelopeJeanHayes.com, and you'll find everything there. David, you are amazing. I love your show, and thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. And I 12 books, That's a, we'll have to do a part two of this because there's so much more I have to talk to you about. <laughs> love it. Anytime. Thank you so much, Penelope. That was such an amazing conversation. I've learned so much. And stay tuned. We're definitely going to have a part two because that was just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. One of the best I've had thus far. So thank you so much again for listening to Confession Radio. You can always get in touch with us at dynamicreverb.com or you can on any social media you have, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Dynamic Reverb. This is Confession Radio powered by Dynamic Reverb. Until next time, my friends, 